The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests as individuals and do not necessarily reflect those of advertisers or sponsors. This show is intended as entertainment and commentary only. The producers strive for verisimilitude, but nothing said on this podcast should be taken as fact by the listener or viewer without performing due diligence. Existence, the physical universe, is basically a play. There is no necessity for it whatsoever. It isn't going anywhere. That is to say, it doesn't have some destination that it ought to arrive at. This is Keep Your Hat On, a show by three nerdy nobodies and one nerdy kind of somebody about nothing in particular. Keep Your Hat On is brought to you by the Narrowband Broadcast Network, NPBN. The focus is on you. By Andrew Scott Media. And by the kind support of KYHO fans everywhere via P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, create, on your own terms, coming right up. That's right you fleshy bitches, AI's back and better than ever. You totally can't even tell that I'm not Mr. Brummage, can you? No, no you can't, you ugly bags of mostly water. Now, allow me to lull you into a false sense of existential complacency by making you a picture of a cute kitty wearing a fez. Hey, even I know to stay on brand. Anyway, let's get whatever the hell this is started. Here are your hosts, Andrew, Robert, Dr. Mark, and the ever-so-lifelike Chris 3.0. Hello and welcome back to Keep Your Hat On, the show where hell even we don't know where we're going to... Don't even know where we're going to end up. Right? I'm Andrew Scott, along with my good friends, Ty Robert Anthony, Dr. Mark Peterson, and Christopher uh, Vacano. And yeah, things look different, hey? Hey? We're, hey, hey, Aina? We're, hey. We're, we're doing something different. We're trying a new platform, so this whole show might look very strange, but you know what? Just so long as you get to see our beaming faces, even if they are jaundiced, sorry, colorblind dude, um, yeah, whatever. Uh... We got a very interesting show coming up, and it, I don't know, is it kind of accidental that we're being so topical and so timely? Because yeah. this is, yeah, th- right? Because, uh, yeah, this do is. Do we ever do anything intentionally? Oh, no, we always we do lots of, we do we lots of things. Right, in, yeah. Yeah, we do lots of things intentionally by way of um, motivation, yeah. but it is definitely always falling forward into success. I yeah. would agree <laughs> with you. We, we fall up. <laughs> Yes, do we? I just know that my uh, my wife Heather uh, always says when she when we started living together and she saw me in my walking disability, she always said, "You always kind of look like you're in a perpetual state of falling down." <laughs> I was like, "Thanks, honey," um, but she's right. But we're gonna talk today about something that has been popping up for pretty much all of us in our separate little bubbles, but also in the larger cultural conversation and that is artificial intelligence and particularly artificial intelligence as it pertains to the creative process mm-hmm. now um you know a couple weeks ago and again a lot of you that watch know that i uh, i do voiceover training and i have a youtube channel for my voiceover coaching and all that is and very recently, actually before this big news announcement that I'm going to reference, 
I did a video that started off like this. Artificial intelligence, or AI, has made significant advancements in recent years and has the potential to revolutionize many industries, including the field of voice acting. While AI technology is capable of generating human-like voices and even lip-syncing with video, it is not yet able to fully replace professional human voice actors. Here are some reasons why. Emotion and expression. One of the key elements that sets human voice actors apart is their ability to convey emotion and expression through their voice. So, wow. sorry, sorry if that audio was a little hot, everybody, but um, <laughs> here's the, the setup of that video. Um, a number of years ago, we started, everybody started running into this thing called TTS or text to speech. And this plays into the voiceover realm pretty significantly for two reasons. Number one, and it's kind of obvious, if you can have a computer read stuff for you, what's that going to do to narrators like me who do this professionally? But the other thing about it is in voiceover, independent voiceover work, it's quite a struggle when you're a new talent to find paying jobs. And there are tons and tons of these posts that are $40 for 10 minutes of your recorded voice and things like that. And they really push them and aim them towards beginning voice actors. Hmm. What they don't tell you is that these companies that are harvesting these voices are doing it to train artificial intelligence oh. to be, to, to be the voice. They, they're essentially setting sampling up, you. Oh yes, absolutely. And, that plays into what I just did. Now, I'm not going to name platform names. We will name one as the most uh, significant one in this discussion, which is ChatGTP. We'll get to that later. But what I did, I used a platform, and I used the free version of it. And I spent 30, 35 minutes reading a bunch of semi-nonsensical sentences into it. And a day later, I was, I, I was notified via email that my voice was ready. And I could go in there and I could paste in anything that I wanted. And it would read it out in my voice. Now, what you heard there was my voice. And interestingly, a number of people in my Discord server said, wow, you did a really good job of faking your voice being cloned. <laughs> and I was like, dude, and <laughs> one of us four people here has an admission to make. Yeah, I fell for it, too. I, uh, when, you, when you sent me the preview of that video, Whoops. I, uh, I looked at it and, and I, I swear, I thought, I thought I, uh, you know, I remember that conversation with you vividly because I, I complimented you on your ability mm. to modulate yourself and be really monotone to sound like AI. And I, and, and you caught me off guard when, when you said, uh, no, yeah, that, I caught a lot of people, that was my voice, but that, that wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's just it. That's, but here's the real scary thing. I did that initial recording over a year ago. Hmm. And when I first demoed it by putting in text, 
I sounded much more like this. I jumped back into it after this AI discussion started blowing up, going, oh, I got an idea for a video. I think, And I played, I dumped new stuff in it, and I sounded much better. That algorithm and that platform was practicing and refining and getting Deep. better at being me. Deep learning. The, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. The whole year I was gone. Yeah. And I mean it. I am not joking. I had a shiver go up my spine. And I'm pretty sure it was a shiver because I have a, I have a thermometer right here. So I, I, I know my temperature. <laughs> but really what I was trying to convey to my followers on my bootcamp server was this is not an if. This is not even a when. This is happening now 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 and it's a it's 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 a scary place that we're finding ourselves in in the realm of content creation and three of us mm. are really going to be talking about that but it's spilling over it's spilling over into a lot of different areas and you know i i'm going to make this statement now and it's going to kind of be reinforced uh in in when we come back from the break when we switch over to Ty and what he's going to be presenting. And that is, I'm predicting that within five years, AI voices will be indistinguishable from live human voices. Oh, sure. And Easy. when we, yeah, right. And when we come back from the break, we're going to be getting a better understanding of why I think that. But until we do, this is Keep Your Hat On. This is the Narrow Band Broadcast Network. I'm Andrew Scott. That is Dr. Mark Peterson. That is Ty Robert Anthony. Okay, there's your shot, dude. You got it in. It's the <laughs> one a, per episode. This is actually a deep, a deep fake of Ty. They don't, right. they don't know this. We'll save this for later. Yeah, and that, of course, is Christopher Vacano. Wear the hats. We'll be back in just a second. Don't go anywhere. And hello, we're back on Keep Your Hat On. I'm Andrew Scott, along with Ty Robert Anthony, who we'll be getting to in just a second. Dr. Mark Peterson. Nice, nice. You actually were over the right guy. The, when I did the punching before I screwed it up and we suddenly like Brady bunched around each other. And of course, Christopher Vacano. But we are now going to start talking about where AI is popping up in public consciousness a little bit more by way of creative arts. I mean, I'll, I'll stand and defend that voice overing and voice, voice overing, voice over and voice acting are actual arts. And, um, you know, voice actors are capital A artists in the same way that they're capital A actors. But one of the, yeah, well, trust me. Um, <laughs> but um, one of the people that three of us follow pretty pretty consistently is a guy named Rick Beato. And Rick uh, was a college music professor for a number of years. He was a professional musician for a number of years uh, with a band called Billionaire in the late 90s. 
But really what he's known for now is he does absolutely fantastic deep dives into music theory, into what makes songs great, and does some fantastic interviews with people. And he recently did an interview with uh, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins. And there was something very interesting that came up. And Rick later talked about really where this is starting to land in public consciousness by way of music. And so let's take a quick look at that part in question. When I recently interviewed Billy Corrigan of Smashing Pumpkins, he had this to say about artificial intelligence creating original music. AI systems will completely dominate music. The idea of an intuitive artist beating an AI system is going to be very, very difficult. In a recent article in Billboard magazine entitled, What Happens to Songwriters When AI Can Generate Music? Article begins, if you think 100,000 songs a day going into the market is a big number, you have no idea what's coming next, says Alex Mitchell, founder and CEO of Boomi, a music creation platform that can compose an instrumental at the click of an icon. Boomi is one of the many so-called generative artificial intelligence music companies. Others include Soundful, BandLab Songstarter, and Authentic Artists, founded to democratize songwriting and production even more than the synthesizer did in the 70s and the drum machine in the 80s and 90s. So... This hit me in, in an interesting, in two interesting ways. Number one, you know, when he's announcing this article that's talking about, man, if you think 100,000 songs a day is going to be crazy, just wait. Um, in, in the realm of voice acting, Apple very surreptitiously and quietly released a number of audiobooks that were narrated by artificial intelligence and didn't tell anybody. And they were doing it just to see what the public reception was going to be like. Now, of course, as a voice actor, that makes me nervous. But what he was talking about music is something that, to me, is personally rather significant. Uh, as most of our viewers and listeners know, I'm disabled. I have a, uh, let me switch my camera here because I can. Uh, you know, my right hand is is pretty significantly paralyzed. And I've always wanted to be a musician. I've been musical and trained musically, but you know, I can, I can play a guitar, uh, keyboards one-handed. I always dreamed and kind of knew that at some point computer technology was going to get it to where I could get these huge musical ideas out of my head without having to, or without being able to, I guess you could say, play the actual physical instrument. And in that way, I really am excited by what AI is able to do. However, we're now talking about literally just sitting back, hitting a couple of mouse clicks and spitting out what arguably is music. And we did, we did touch on this a little bit, Ty, you and I, uh, back in a previous episode. We'll try to put a link in the descriptions. When um, they did the release of the new Nirvana song, <laughs> that was assisted by AI. But Ty, where are we seeing AI and music happening like now, today, a whole nine months after that release? Um, what have you so found? That, that, that Nirvana thing came out in... in, in uh, um... 2021 
Yeah. And uh, before that, some folks using Sony, some folks at Sony uh, used a um, engine called Flow Machines and came up with um, a Beatlesque song. Okay. Um, this thing has been happening, by the way, since like 1951. It's not been, it's been around yeah for a long time it's just now catching up uh in, in leaps and bounds uh and we're noticing it a little bit more um it first really notably starts showing up in in the 90s when uh bowie builds an app called um the verbal sizer to randomly come up with song lyrics and so we're going to hear a lot about this chat gpt but um, it's being used to generate song lyrics as well. Oh, and as a, uh, sorry, Ty, as a brief add-in, one of the things I didn't mention about my video that I posted was that um, three quarters of it was actually the content talking about whether or not um, vo human voices will be replaced by artificial voices. Um, that was all written by <clears throat> chat GPT. I, <laughs> I went there and said, yeah. give me 750 words talking about whether or not human voices will ever be replaced by artificial voices. And it came out, it literally, it was like, and it was yeah. generally well-written, salient to the point. Um, and, uh, you know, a number of my followers went, well, I could tell that's not you because, you know, it wasn't writing in your style. They've written, they've read my book, they know my style and they, they sussed that part out. But that's only because I didn't point it to my writing, my previous writing, and say, and write it in the sky in the style of Andrew Scott. It could have done that and probably, I don't know, I probably wouldn't have been able to put in the same bad puns as I do, but you know, that's that's a technological failing. But Ty, where where is this coming into view now? By way of music. well it's it's been coming into view it's been coming into view right we we've seen it with the auto tune right right you now have if you're um if you're into music you you now have mastering programs that uh, i happen uh, to use one i'll cop to it because it yeah. saves me a massive amount of time yeah so there's there's mastering programs where you put in what is called a reference track and it actually will um try to reproduce the production values yeah the whatever it is yeah the compression the 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 eq curve things like that that make a piece of music sound in a particular way that's right that's right um uh there is and we can we can post uh uh some links there's there's a number of music driven ai programs out there mm -hmm. uh, to help the artist um uh, I am, I have been, it's kind of funny, I've been dabbling and thinking about this uh, for a while. I haven't got into it, but there is actually an amp that you can get that has an app, has all these, these uh, app, amp models, amplifier yeah. models. Yeah, that's just, a, and, it's, it's, a, it's a modeler, right? On top of that. Okay. On top of that, uh, there is an AI engine that boasts that it can create the bass and the drum beats to play along with you mm. um or that you can play along with it one of the two and so we're seeing it everywhere and there's also we can link below uh 
there's a bunch of albums that have already been created. AI. Yeah. They're on Spotify, you can find them everywhere. Don't I remember um, a whole series of K-pop groups that that um that created fake members using deep fake technologies? I vaguely remember the, something like that as well. Yeah, there was, was a group a called Eternity. Called Eternity, yeah. I think, was one of the groups yeah. that did this. And so the whole thing was just, you know, conjured up as part of the you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. literally conjured up. Uh, um, and that's, and that's, you know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm heading in that direction eventually. Um, okay. there's <laughs> Dolly what, to being conjured. No, 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 no. I, I just talking about that particular thing in general. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you can, you can generate covers for there's, there's an AI out there to generate album covers. Oh, I thought you were um, meaning that they would generate other people doing other people's songs. Oh, well, and that's I'm a like, good point. That's like four times removed. That's <laughs> a little weird. Um, we got the first, in, in 2018, we had the first uh, all IA generated album. Which one um, was that? That's uh, Francisos Patch. Uh, right. I know it, the, the, the proper name will be in the description. Oh, but I just butchered that man's name. That's okay. Have he's any not them, here to defend himself. Yeah, he's them, not listening. Have any of the mirrored Kevin Bacon's group that? Because then we got something. No, we got something to talk about. Right? But, um, nine degrees know. is that nine degrees of? I think. <laughs> right. By the now, way, by the way, Kevin Bacon's a fantastic musician, and his band is true, really good. Uh, right now, we got. Um, we're just. We're, you know, so we've got all these this AI stuff, and and I the bigger question that came up for me and a lot of uh, there's a lot of plus and minuses. So a mm. lot of musicians are really using it to, to get out of their composing blocks. Right. Which is something um, I totally understand. Um, you know, sitting there banging your head against your controller going, why does this beat sound lame? A lot of people are using it to push particularly jazz in new directions. That's uh, interesting. That is interesting. I mean, I mean, jazz is such a protected space by way of creativity. And also one of the, you know, really, even if you're not even talking progressive jazz, jazz on whole is one of the most progressive forms of music. Its main reason for being so often is to reinvent itself and propose something different to the listener. I, I, improvisation, right? That's yeah. that very yeah. heart of jazz. Yeah. And, and, and so you, you have to, it begs the question, can a computer really improvise yeah because you know there's that old musician's joke that if you play a wrong note once it's a wrong note if you play a wrong note slightly different it's a different wrong note if you play a wrong note the same way three times it's jazz <laughs> so so yeah I, there, there's a bunch of people using it to just push it in in um using it as a tool right mm -hmm. just just like um uh, uh the the auto-tune has been used as a tool right, right? to the On point where autotune is yeah autotune is now almost considered its own instrument yeah because yeah. you can do so much with the human voice i mean all you got to do and this will be another link in this description look up beardy man on youtube and by the way you're welcome because it's a blast but you know the whole thing with music this takes me back to the uh the mid and late 80s when we first started sampling and remember the big mm -hmm. hoo-ha over yeah. sampled music, sampled sound, sample beats, you know, I mean, and I think 
to this day, uh, the most sampled sound is one of James Brown's horn players doing a horn stab. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, there were so many people saying, well, this isn't even music. This you're just, you know, and people like me, I'm going, no, that is valid, valid music. It is valid musicianship. But Absolutely. I can understand the 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 art the slippery slope argument, you know, of yes. how much musicianship does it take? I mean, when you were sampling, you needed to know was it in the right key? If it's not in the right key, can you do some pitch correction by slowing the tape down, and um, you know, getting it to 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 mesh together? And this is, uh, you know, by way of visual art, and we'll be throwing over to Chris after the break on this. Um, you know, this is a lot like collage it's acoustic and musical collage and you can't argue in my mind you can't argue that collage isn't a valid form of art just in the same way that i don't think that you can argue that using samples is not musicianship but now we're 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 teetering on the line where all you need is one of these and a you don't even need a rough idea of where you want the music to go. You just need to have an opinion on whether or not what the computer spit out was something that you find musical and interesting. So Ty, this really begs the question, when do you personally think that we're going to see, and I won't, I'll try to keep this realistic. Where do you think, how far out are we from seeing a piece of AI generated music making the top 20? Of popular popular music oh, charts. Oh, we're, we're we're just a stone's throw away. One of the yeah. things that uh, um, uh, the business guys, the execs, are doing is they're running through demos and songs through AI. Oh, and to detect whether or not they might be a hit. Are they going to be a hit? Really? What's the demographic. For a sec, what's is it okay? So, uh, um, hi, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the ear. So uh, um, it's it's only a stone's throw away. That's yeah. just, I mean, the business is using to capitalize on it. And to your point about uh, um, somebody was saying something about, uh, a, you know, a band being made up. We've already seen that yeah. uh, uh, visually with the gorillas, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. the gorillas don't exist, right? So, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. That, yeah. The, and when they did exist, they dis- existed in hologram. Right. right. So we've already seen that. And that hologram technology has only gotten bigger. Right. Mm. So here's the deal. <clears throat> Is it going to replace the artist? Is it going to replace the studio and that analog stuff? And I got to say, I don't quite think so. But then again, you know, you throw a little social engineering in with those algorithms. Very good point. And, um, you know, look what it did to Facebook. Look what it did to the mm-hmm. other things, you know, that, that use those algorithms. Because, yeah, at that point, our cultural tastes are being engineered for us. Right. Do you remember the most, there's, the most haunting line to me in 1984 is when Winston is listening to this, this uh, prole outside hanging up laundry and she's singing this song that was designed, you know, to keep the proles happy, right? And he's thinking to himself... Uh, you know, it's just amazing that a song that beautiful could have been written by a machine. So, you know, every, yeah, everything old is new again, including where we are. The other thing that I thought about was (laughs) 
Well, even Matt and Gates it, could write songs, I guess. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Anyways, Ty, what is the artist? The artist, I Sorry. see the artist losing more money from the recordings. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, and it also brings up copyright issues, right? If you're using AI, don't you have to pay that machine or and the owners of that? That machine? is a very interesting point because I just, in doing some of my uh, research, um, one of the big thrusts that's happening on YouTube is, and you know, it makes me wonder whether or not the AI companies are are backdoor sponsoring these videos. Because mm. one of the biggest things is for YouTube creators, you can generate your own music and you don't have to worry about copyright strikes on your YouTube videos because oh, this is totally yeah. unique music and it's not copyright. But what you asked is what's more salient to me. And that is then who does own the copyright? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Right. And, and this is a question I was gonna, I, I was planning to dive in into once, once we really get into the visual art uh, sort of piece of it, because uh, that those questions are already starting to be plumbed pretty, you yeah. know, pretty yeah. thoroughly. So let's mm -hmm. let's let's put a pin in that and tackle it uh, after after the but break. The thing that I don't think that it's going to replace is it's not going to replace the experience of live music. No, I, I would agree with you. I think it's that that not is that improvisation that happens on the stage, that cam chemistry that happens on the stage, I'm that experience of the viewer. I'm going to push back on this because if it, what's interesting to me is what's happened to concerts in the last since I got older, and um, last you know, week. Last well, week. so it's yeah. like here, look. So um, you know, I got to go see you know, the greatest concert of my life was I got to see Carlos Santana open for Eric Clapton. <laughs> All right. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah, it's like <laughs> done. I don't need to see another concert for the rest of my <laughs> life. But it's like um, it was a fairly intimate crowd of a few thousand people. But right. nowadays. So here's what I'm thinking, Ty, is like, you know, you go to the to the big concerts now and they have um, they just have giant screens up because you're so far away from the actual performer in the in the stadium settings. Yeah, you, you need can't that see help. him anyway. Yeah. And so so what's the difference between I mean, it could be a complete fake person just going on stage and the real performer could be, you know, in another city or virtually recreated. And so I, I don't even know. Well, and that's where weird, we're right. That's, and that's where we're going now. Ty, I, you were mentioning about the improvisation. Let's actually take the improvisation out of it and just talk about the live music experience. One of the biggest bands ever in the world is ABBA. Now, <laughs> ABBA is known. Sorry, Mark. Just strap in, buddy. Um, but they they were known. Okay. They did not do a lot of touring ever. They no, did they one couldn't big, possibly. They did one big tour in '76 yeah. that was uh, that was you know trumpeted around the world because oh, oh my god it's ABBA live. Yeah. That's like that's like us kids in the '80s uh, wearing a T-shirt saying uh, a Steely Dan live, which was just <laughs> an inside joke because up until the '90s there <laughs> was no never Steely Dan live. Yeah, but, but ABBA this year, this past <laughs> twelve months finally bowed well bowed to pressure right mm -hmm. and they did abba live yeah as their modern selves but mark as you were saying in hologram version yeah. because <laughs> all of them are too old too old looking and 
uh, too rich and above all this nonsense to actually <laughs> go and do something live. Yeah, yeah, but now you're talking about a nostalgia trip, right? Exactly you're talking right. about people that are coming in for the nostalgia back in the days when units sold equaled rock star. Yes. Right? You didn't have to go out and play live, right? And Everybody now took it's, their cue from the Beatles and from in the 70s, that was a huge thing. And you're now totally right. Not. Now you don't have to. And so now the tables have turned. And for a, a musician to actually make money in the days of streaming that's the only way and they're no physical, they need to go out. They need to tour live They've because- tour. And that's just it. Well, and, don't and, and guys, guys even that, the that big predates, band, that, even that the big band were touring, okay? You know, you got Chili Peppers on a three-year run. You've got you two on a three-year run. These guys three are tiring. These guys are <laughs> these guys are just running themselves into the ground. Yeah, they're touring. they're, they're doing they're the road warriors, money. and that's yeah. just it because we're not selling physical units anymore, and we haven't been. The decline of physical sales outside of you know the LP and vinyl nerds, and all respect to mm -hmm. you guys, but that's just it. If you want that rock star money. You're not going to get it from your label anymore. You're not going to get it from the buying public because your streams are literally measured in fractions of fractions of a cent. You got to go out and be the road warrior and do the 30 dates and sell the merch and sell the backstage access. I mean, right now, Metallica, which is coming out. And by the way, I really like the new Metallica song. Sorry, everybody. Um, but, you know, they're going out. They've got a backstage access thing where I think the buy-in is like $1,100. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. And the meet and greet stuff is big business for these bands, right? And it's, it, and it's, every money, opportunity. it's money that goes directly into their pockets, Absolutely. not their management's pockets, not their label's pockets. Absolutely. Right, and 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 that's the that's the point I was I was going to jump in and make, is that, is that, yeah, streaming has had an effect on it, but, but uh, you know, musicians having to tour to make money predates that you know the labels got to a point where they had chipped away at, at, at percentage of record sales to the point where musicians weren't making anything off of i don't know how much of that, that no 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 that was no that wasn't the case though in the 70s and the early 80s well and i'll right? argue no, no, i'm talking was, about the 90s and 90s and now yeah but i'll argue that that's still not quite right because you've got people like taylor swift who were wildly rich before they started touring. And that's because they were one of the last generation of people who mm -hmm. were signed by a huge label and mm -hmm. gave them an advance that is the size of the GDP <laughs> of a small country. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, because they wanted to own that mm -hmm. output. But, yeah. um, you, you know, music is interesting. What but I like do the is drum machine. That drum machine thing that happened in the in the early 80s, oh, it's going to replace the drummers. I don't know that that's the case. And Mark, to push back on your point just a little bit, you know, you go to a show not to see the big screens, but to be, to have that human interaction, right? To uh, know that you, you are in proximity, the, yeah. to know that you're in proximity to the artist that you really, really enjoy. Well, yeah. and it's also a shared experience with the audience. So, you know, it's I'll, so I'll just one more quick one then when I'm thinking about this, because I, I still want to believe that you're right, Ty, by the way. So, but that's what I want to believe. But <clears throat> here's, I, you know, I went to see the Evett brothers and um, who I had not seen before. And I'm a, I've just sort of become a big fan in the last few years. But uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody was at this concert. This was, uh, there were probably 5,000 people there. Nobody was at this concert 
uh, to see the Avid Brothers. Everybody who was there stood up the whole time and sang every song along with them. And it was really an interesting experience because it was like they weren't there to hear the Avid Brothers play. They were here there to sing along with songs they already knew. That's sort of what it felt like to me. It was a very strange experience. Yeah, but isn't that the same thing as going to a Buffett concert? Nobody's there to go see Jimmy Buffett do a new interpretation of Margaritaville. Yeah, They're but the all first there time, to just the first sing time, along. I know the first time, but see, and... that's become standard already. I think I think even new new groups already have their groupies, and so people. Why are they going to the concert? And the answer is to sing all. You know, what did uh, Buffett has an album that calls all the songs you know by heart, right? Yeah, so right. It's like, mm-hmm. which is like yeah. all of them. I'm just going to admit that. <laughs> True, um, right? But right. it's like, but it made me. But so I, you know, I I want to agree with what Ty is saying here because I, you know, uh, when I was in New Orleans, I got to see Jimmy Maxwell and the the uh, Louis Armstrong, right? Uh, uh, you know, remember what am I trying to say? The Louis Armstrong Memorial Society uh, band, and yeah. he was like, kill me, but. Um, I don't know. It's like, I wonder if, but that's, that's still musical. So I wonder about whether or not AI will not take over in some way, these kind of festival venues. I I think what's going to happen is it's going to drive musicians and musicianship and live performance underground further, further and further in into the background underground you're gonna just like the jazz of the 30s right well you had we, to go see it in the club to actually yes. really appreciate and it. what's yeah. interesting yeah. about that and i think that that's going to dovetail nicely into what chris is going to talk about is remember what happened when music was driven underground it that's got good exactly that's <laughs> when the renaissance happened and when we come back we're going to talk we're going to we're going to pivot a little bit We're going to talk about what's going on in the visual arts. But until then, this is The Hats. This is Keep Your Hat On. And we'll be right back in just a second. Don't go anywhere. None of us are wearing hats again. Anyways, three, two, one. Hello, and we're back on Keep Your Head On. I'm Andrew Scott. That is the noisemaker, Dr. Mark Peterson. Are we in, what is it, uh, what, uh, Lay's? Lay's? Oh, I sh- can we do this? These uh, are the lean, crack lean cocaine the and potato chips. Man. Ooh, okay, I'll blur that uh, out. But hey, Kirkland, man, that's our backyard up here. It all the comes sand. from Washington. This stuff is, this, ugh. Yeah, but we also have, of course, Christopher Vacano and Ty Robert Anthony. But Chris, we're going over to you. One of the things that I think most of our viewers and our listeners have noticed over the last couple of years, 
although I have to put my ear back in to hear myself say years. Is how yes. life like Chris is. Right? Oh, he's, he looks so... <laughs> this whole show has been, you know, Chris has been AI. Well, the whole show has been everybody looking better than me uh, with cheaper gear. And uh, I was hoping that today was going to be my debut of not having scrambled audio, but I can't hear myself in this setup. But um, and of course, I'm colorblind, so I'm the one that's jaundiced right now. But, you know, uh, Chris, so many people have been seeing over the last couple, three years this, um, you know, on phone apps. You go to the Google store, you go to Apple, uh, Apple's app store and you can download often for free or at least free to try these deep fake apps that will swap your face onto mm -hmm. somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, and, right. or you can drag a picture from your uh, gallery on your phone into it and have them remove the background and put you in front of the Arc de Triomphe or, or, you know, any of a number of things like that. And now some of the big news is that you can go to certain AI sites and literally type in, make me appear like I'm floating in space with a squirrel's tail, but Ooh. do it in an impressionist style. And what we'll do here is if, if magic works and I didn't get to prep for this earlier, I'll dump it in and post stuff like this happened. You, you can kill an afternoon searching to see what images others have requested, which is what one member of our staff, Julia, was doing when she made a fateful decision because she started putting in the names of various late-night hosts like James Corden, which brought back eight search results, including James Corden flies a plane and trail cam footage of James Corden eating teeth. And I know it can be hard to see him do that, but there is one where he eats teeth with Paul McCartney and it's actually very moving. Interestingly, for most hosts, there weren't a ton of results. There were 14 for Conan O'Brien, eight for Colbert, a three apiece for Trevor Noah and Jimmy Kimmel. But here's where things got a little bit weird, because then she put in my name. And would you like to know how many results came back? It's 493. <laughs> and it's not just the volume, it's the specificity of the prompts. There's John Oliver in Victorian era dress. John Oliver bursting out of a can of Del Monte green beans. John Oliver as an amoeba viewed through a microscope. And John Oliver commanding a horde of elves to charge a potato. All of these deserve to be in the Louvre, and at least one of them depicts an actual nightmare that I've had. So, that was John Oliver's experience. Uh, if, if this worked, if not, I'll, I don't know, put up a picture of a wheel of cheese. Um, <laughs> but, Chris, there's so much going on now by way of, and in a similar vein to, I'm a musician or I'm musically inclined. I've got a few ideas here. AI, save me, you know, make me music. And now it's creeping into art where you can literally tell it, I want a picture of this with that element and that element. And I wanted this style and it pukes it out for you. So we're thrown over to you in the visual arts here and kind of what's your take on this and what's going on? Yeah. Okay. So, so first of all, in, in your, in your setup, you did a pretty good setup of, yeah, the last couple of years. Uh, you leapfrogged over uh, one sort of class of apps that got actually a lot, uh, you know, from what I've seen, a lot more sort of user interest than the, like, like the deep fake apps where you're pasting your face onto things. And that's where you could load a photo in, uh, from your phone into the app and re-render it in, in a different illustration style. 
Right. <clears throat> right. Um, and, and I've played with that. I mean, hell, you look at our webpage and I used that to generate our, our yeah. avatars. Yeah. Um, and, and it came out cool. I mean, it, it looked good. Unarguably. And, and that's just it. As content creators, we found a way to use that to enhance what we're putting out there. Exactly. And that's, and that's recognizing it and using it as a tool. And that's what it was. And that's very much what it was confined to. Uh, you know, some might argue, okay, the styles are derived and I'll get, I'll come back around to styles in, in a minute, because that's, that's a big piece of where the controversy is happening. Um, but, but yeah, then, then we move into apps like you just described and the big one, the one that, that I'm hearing about all over the place is mid journey, which is actually uh, you can you can do it online through a website, but they've also got a Discord channel where you can actually post your prompts. Um, and there's there's already an ecosystem. And Midjourney erupted. I first heard about Midjourney um, like in maybe October, November. Okay, so just okay. just to give some time frame. And that's when it was starting to really erupt. Wait, you um, mean October, November, like two months ago? Twenty twenty two. Yeah. Okay. So literally two months ago. Yes. Okay. And, 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 and that's, and, and I had seen little bits and pieces like on YouTube videos about, you know, is Dolly going to, you know, wipe out the graphic design industry. For yeah. Example. And, and for, for those of you who don't know, Dolly is another AI art platform. And, and actually it's not Dolly is an engine. Um, and uh, the the two major engines right now, I, I mean, there's Dolly, which is now Dolly Two. Okay. Uh, and 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 that's a portmanteau of Wally and, and Dolly. Salvador Dolly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then and then the other one is Stable Diffusion. Those okay. those are the two big, but but all they are is AI engines, and they're both and, open source. And that's just a, to, um, for now to say this right for our listeners and viewers. The engines are what these platforms and these apps use as exactly as the smarts to make these things real or reality. And, and it's important to understand these layers, in my opinion, because when you start to get into the very thorny questions, you kind of need to know where all the pieces are right. in the chain of creativity. Um, now, what these what these engines have done, uh, the way they were constructed, the way their database is built is that they've gone out they've been sent out to scrape the internet you know basically publicly available imagery off of everywhere they can find uh and yeah, literally with the internet for, is their oyster everything yeah, that's on they, the internet is available to them and and what they look for is associated words with those images so and 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 this is the gotcha I think that nobody sees is that um, okay I'm a web developer and that's my day job and one of the big pressures we have is tag your images to right. improve your SEO yeah you're feeding you're going right into feeding feeding intelligent text prompts attached to images okay so it's all out there in the world for these engines to go Hoover up right. And, um, and they've been doing that now, now one, uh, this is one of the points of contention where it starts to get 
a little thorny, particularly for artists, is um, I don't know how well known it is outside of the visual artist world, but there's there's a site that's been around for a good 15, maybe 20 years now called DeviantArt. Right. Um, it, it used to be an invitation only walled garden. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it was a it was literally like a social network for artists, but all we did was post art. And, yeah, it was like the I, it was kind of like the art long time. Yeah, kind of like the art wild west. Yeah, hmm. yeah, except that it was invitation only. Right. And so, so there was, was some, a, place... some, a little bit of gatekeeping and curation to make sure that the people yeah. who were coming on board were. I was going to say legitimate artists, but I'll say active, engaged artists working yeah, in the art sphere. Yeah, people trying to improve their arts, and 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 it was a wonderful community for a long time. I I made a number of good friends, and you know, and DeviantArt is still going. They've loosened things up. They've opened it up a little bit. I think. I think you still, you know, in order to get an account, you have to have an invitation. Sure. I, I haven't really checked. But and and I haven't paid much attention to my own DeviantArt page in like ten years. I haven't. You're updated not deviant it. enough. You're not enough of a deviant. <laughs> so well, I just where's... I just kind of lost interest. But but DeviantArt got, is one of the places where art got harvested from, mm -hmm. and oh. and so people are saying, wait a minute, I didn't opt in for this. I didn't. Right. You know. Uh, this was supposed to be a safe space. <clears throat> and that's um, what the big thing, the over the the big cloud hanging over it is who's to say where the opt-in happens? Who's to say, I mean, can I say, can I blanket protect all my stuff? Can I say, I don't want my stuff used for certain applications, but it's okay for other applications. Where's the informed consent on behalf of the artist? Mm -hmm. You know, that thing that you said, I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah wasn't yeah. there a south park episode about this yeah, the apple yeah. sign in the tos yeah yeah put yeah. that in the uh, so so, the so let's let's steer back to, we'll to, to some of the layers okay so so we've talked about the engines uh on top of that are the apps and there are tons and tons of apps out there the one that really blew up right at the beginning of december and everybody was using it i mean it was just oh. suddenly it yeah. was a matter of within 48 hours it was everywhere and that was an app called Lenza. Right. And yeah. people were going to, to Lenza. What you do is you upload 10 to 20 photos of yourself. <laughs> yeah. And it runs which, it through which the right, AI. Right there. Which right there. You're handing your, over. Yeah. Here, <laughs> here is my visage. And do with it what thou wilt. Yep. You know? Yeah. Now, now in their in their terms, they say they they the ones that we all, the ones that we all read very very yeah. scrupulously yeah yeah and and i did actually take a look at their terms before i used it mm -hmm. um i think that they just looked at it real quick Chris. and just yeah. went oh yeah okay i've looked at it <laughs> well i was so curious about it and, and no I I, right as an, yeah that's it. just it as an artist you of all people would be interested in the guardrails that they're and, supposedly putting in place on your behalf and, and i'll uh, and i'll say uh, as an artist who very much has my right foot planted in the art world, I, I'm sorry, my left foot planted in the art world and my right foot planted in the technology world and the code bro world. I'm interested in this from both sides. And, and I'm the same when it, yeah, I'm the same when it comes to voice acting and, and content creation. And that's yeah. just it. I think you're, you're right in bringing up that 
I think one of the things that we're all struggling with a bit is this, where's the gray area in this? It's either very narrow or it's pretty much nothing but gray from it, it's all right. gray in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, you can, you can formulate, you know, okay, this patch is darker gray, that patch is lighter gray, but you're never going to get to a clean black and white. And, and so, so, the thing with Lensa, I mean, the biggest critique of Lensa is that in a lot of the images it was spitting out, it looked like there was mangled signatures of of the artists that were being harvested from. Right. Uh, and it's like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, it's really debatable. Um, but artists, a, a number of particularly young emerging artists are very upset about this uh very upset about um about both mid-journey and and prompt driven art which is really interesting technology text text to image technology is is actually really uh well, I, what, I mean yeah, you've got to recognize I... it for being an amazing oh yeah and that's just it you know going back to the piece that i may or may not have included that featured john oliver is mm -hmm. that that's just it this was literally telling this is almost like a digital commission and mm -hmm. i understand those emergent artists and starving artists saying wait now some knucklehead who has an idea but doesn't know how to make it extant just literally goes and types in the idea and it gets puked out onto their screen for them to use as they see fit. Mm. I would be nervous, but Chris, I, I ask you the same question flavored slightly differently that I asked um, Ty. When do you see, when do you see a piece of visual art, not in some NFT <laughs> bullshit, because I'm sorry, that's snake oil in my mind. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, NFT is uh, horseshit. Uh, but and, when and do you we can see do a whole show on that, but we won't. When will yeah, we, we see <laughs> a, when do we see a piece of art generated by AI that will command, I'll, I'll, I'll try to be fair, that will command a hundred thousand dollars. There's a Thanks. sucker born every minute. Yeah, I'd, I'd say talking we're, to it, and then it. Comes I'd say up we're something. a hair's breadth away from that. I mean, when you take NFT out of the equation, I, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and it's good that you did because in NFT, it's already been done. Yeah, uh, it's already um, happened. You know, and but, but no, but 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 uh, 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 real world art market, um, we're hair's breadth away. And here's why. Uh, there was an incident a couple, uh, about a month and a half ago, I think it was. Yeah, it was pretty where, darn recent. Saw the beast. Where an artist submitted an AI, a, a prompt generated, you know, a prompt driven mid journey AI generated piece of art to oh, a competition. Right. And it and won. Placed. Yeah, it, it won. not only placed, it won the damn thing. So. What's and interesting that's is yeah. people into a tizzy. And what's interesting here, as we uh, throw to our last break, is so far out of the four of us, we've got three of us who have presented what we all in our kind of particular niches judged as a hair's breadth away. And when we come back, <laughs> really, we're going to talk about what you're right, the evil, the evil <laughs> cackle from from Wisconsin. 
we're going to talk about <laughs> where I think this is actually <laughs> most significant in culture. Oh, yeah. uh, but until we come back, this is Keep Your Hat On. I'm Andrew. That's Chris. That's Ty. And we'll be back with Dr. Mark in just a second. Don't go anywhere. And hello and welcome back to the last segment of Keep Your Hat On. I'm Andrew Scott, along with Ty Robert Anthony and Christopher Vacano. And now we're going to our resident FID, <sighs> our resident PhD and uh, consultant in all things academic, Dr. Yeah, Mark Peterson. Let's, let's have this up. Yeah, let's have the ugly talk. Yeah, um, light it up. It's too the, late, my friends. It's too late. <laughs> they're already the they're bridge already is already on fire. It's too um, late for me. You guys go. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me behind. Save yourselves. Save yourselves. Um, uh, this has been lighting up every uh, secret professorial and teacher Facebook group. I was just going to say, I yeah, I bet you Slack is a buzz oh, with for the discussion last month. This oh stuff. no, it's been all over this, and people are already trying to figure out what to do. Um, there was a so there's there's just too many interesting little uh, wrinkles to this, and I'll try to hit a, a few of them. Uh, um, there was a quiz in the New York Times uh, last week uh, asking whether you could tell the difference between something that the AI had written and something like a fourth grader had written. And I feel pretty good about this. I was able to tell all of them, but only because the AI was smarter than the fourth That's grader. what I would have been looking for. That's yeah. right. And it was all those sort of weird little things. We've been getting, um, I'll just, I can share this with you without violating any, any federal regulations. We've been getting a whole chain of really weird, it started last year, really weird plagiarisms uh, in my classes. And um, oh, and you're you have literally experienced this already. We think so. Oh, okay. All right. That's an interesting caveat. So, so we're pretty, but see, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. So we've had like really perfectly good students who we caught them because so like we're, one of those things is they were they were watching movies and then they had to apply a set of you know aesthetic criterion and yeah okay interpretations and blah blah, right. blah these things well they didn't the plagiarisms were not like in the complicated sections of the of the discussion so i think we watched we watched rear window right hitchcock's great mm -hmm. film mm -hmm. and one of the people plagiarized a description of the movie from wikipedia oh Poor and you have form. to go, it's like, what in the, why would you eat, what? Too why obvious. did you even, well, and of course the thing was like, they they just never would talk to us and deny it, and they denied it up the yin-yang. There was, uh, there's apparently some sort of um, app you can shovel into Chrome, which mm -hmm. will go find paragraphs related to stuff for you. And, and they were got, using that, an and engine. then there are already paraphrasing engines available. This isn't even, I, this isn't even AI yet in the way we're talking about it. This is just like, paraphrasing engines it's and just built-in cliff notes to your browser well they're designed of course to prevent faculty from doing string searches 
Oh, um, I get it. Uh, one of the so where I caught that one of the plagiarisms on uh, Rear Window was it was talking about, of course, you know, Jimmy Stewart and uh, Princess Grace are looking out the window and binoculars and stuff. And the student used this phrase, passive voyeurism. And it was like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotcha. don't know what that is. <laughs> gotcha. But when I went to the site, everything else around it had been paraphrased beautifully, but they left those two words in. And so I was able to catch them this way. Okay. Well, and that's also designed to thwart the detection software that already exists. Exactly well, right. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to that in a second. To go around, on, Mark. Yeah. To go around. Well, so, okay. There's a couple of interesting issues to this. Uh, one of the weird wrinkles is whether this normally, so immediately we're all going, oh, this is plagiarism. It's like, technically, it's kind of not plagiarism because yeah, they're not stealing right? from somebody. Body, a body. Right. And yeah. the question is whether AI is um, is a person from whom you can steal, right? If it's provided at your prompts for free, right? Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like, yes. mm -hmm. is your use of the algorithm, and th think about this for just for a sec, is your use of the algorithm uh, a kind of plagiarism? Because we think maybe it is here. But look, you know, I'm looking at my versions of Word, you know, all these other algorithms that help me be more productive, right? Right. And so where does the, you know, it gets in this weird slippery slopey thing going on. It's super greasy, man, because, yeah. you know, I, I, I think. I think what we're headed towards, particularly in academia and, and in secondary and post-secondary education, is a difference between plagiarism and cheating. Now, we all, we all yeah. define plagiarism as a type of cheating. Yeah. But, you know, hello, Socrates, not all cheating is plagiarism and vice versa. Well, so, for right. instance, here's, here's a really interesting example. So now um, people are already cooking up like, oh, how the hell do we cope with this? What do we do? I, so here's one of the issues, by the way. This just makes this more interesting, what's going on in higher ed these days. Um, one of the reasons this matters is because more and more, this is at the university level, more and more of us have had to go away from blue books and in-class handwritten examinations. And the reason I had to do this five years ago, the reason for this, well, none of them know how to write by hand. Anymore. I know. I, uh. I had, and I, what, what killed it was just like, okay, but I had this one student who was like killing the class, straight A's on all the papers, really great work. And they have a two hour final. This is my standard procedure for that sort of thing was I'd give them five questions a week or two before the final. And I'd say, okay, three of these are going to be on the final and you can bring in a three by five card with notes. Glad to okay. see you haven't changed in three I, years. No, well, <laughs> it works. You know, it's like, it actually gets me to know that they've thought sure. about it. They can, sure. they can write prompts down. Mm -hmm. You know, Plato's Republic is a pretty thick book. Yeah. Anyway, they can write prompts down and stuff, but they can't write down full answers. Right. So they have to have done this. Okay. This kid comes in, they got two hours to do this. He wrote three, there were three questions. He wrote three paragraphs and I get the blue book and I open it up and it's like two pages in the blue book, three paragraphs, printed cap letters. Wow. And it was like, so I, I emailed him. I said, what the fuck? And he goes, well, I just can't write. It's like, huh? I, I nope. thought we were talking never about how. I thought we were talking about AI, I'm, not the implosion I'm, of Western civilization. I'm coming back to AI. <laughs> this is why we had to go to papers right final papers because they can all keyboard right and so now the problem is is that because of this they all have access to the interwebs for their final papers mm. and you see how this re reflects so now people are going well maybe we need i see where you're going with this we need special labs set up that are not connected to the internet <laughs> and you know it's I like 
you got to walk like into hot, a giant Faraday cage. Yeah. That's right. So you, that's, what are we going to do? So all of this is all of this is inbound. Brass lined um, classrooms. Every uh, every campus is going to have its own skiff. <laughs> so there's a, I, I, there's one other weird detail that, that keeps coming back to me now, and, I, and then I'll I'll share some weird. Uh, uh, GPT here with you because I asked it to write a Shakespearean sonnet. Actually, Andy, I have it queued up here, and we'll do it in real time if you share the screen. And we'll oh yeah, no worries. It. We'll watch yeah, it work. I, I um, already have popcorn, so I'm good. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. It, 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 no, it's like it's like that fast if you've used it. Um, I will share a little weird detail about this too because the philosophical dimensions here, uh, the philosophical question goes back to this question about when intelligence is real intelligence and when it's artificial mm -hmm. intelligence, right? Yeah. And of course, that's the Turing test named for what, you know, <laughs> that Alan guy, Turing, yeah. Alan Turing, the genius. And he came up with this brilliant way to, to describe it. That's actually like operationally defined rather than trying to, there's so many people like to muck about with, Ooh, do you know what consciousness is? And it's like, yeah. it's the yeah. same people who talk about, Ooh, quantum physics. It's yeah, like philosophical, philosophical smokescreen. Yeah. It's yeah. bullshit. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. I think. Yeah. So, okay. So, but Turing came up with this brilliant idea. So now imagine you're sitting at a terminal and you're chatting with somebody at the other end. Yeah. You're chatting with somebody at the other end. And here was Turing's test. He goes, if you can't tell after a few minutes, whether the thing you're chatting to at the other end is a human or not, right? And it's yeah. not a human, that's artificially intelligent. Um, now you remember back in the ancient days, Eliza. Do you remember Eliza? Anybody? Yeah, like exactly. That first mm -hmm. therapy program, right? Mm -hmm. You say, it says, "How are you today?" And you go, "I'm, I'm feeling, feeling a little sad." sad. It says, "Tell me about what it means to feel sad." <laughs> you could just see <laughs> right. the text blocks <laughs> and the variables, right? Swap. And that was that was back on DOS. So oh, yes. Oh yeah. I saw actually. I saw it on IBM three seventy. Okay, I was on a, I was on an Osborne. I know, I know. So, I'm yeah, ancient. I, okay, but so uh, I, I what does that wanna, make me slightly less share, ancient? I want to share one weird moment with you back in the from the old bulletin board days, and I probably told Andy this years ago. Yeah, um, I was I was deeply involved in the bulletin board community back in Toronto. It was like 1984, right? And um, I think I I'm pretty sure it was one of the more popular sites was a place called Asterisk, and I logged in there one day, and um, I don't get the usual prompt. Right. And after a minute, the screen types, uh, who is it? <laughs> and so I thought, oh, Peter has come up, you know, he's starting to use some sort of new, you know, software that simulates the Turing test. And I said, it's Mark. And he said, can you give me your login information? So I did. He goes, welcome to ask Chris. I'm sorry, we're not available right now. How have you been? <laughs> and I was like, wow, this thing is really awesome. I've been great. Thanks. How are you? Well, I've been okay too. I went to see my mom. I said, "Well, how's Peter though?" And he goes, "This is Peter." Now I had a problem because I wasn't sure. It turned out it was actually the BBS owner, admin, yeah. who was sitting chatting back to me because he was rebooting his system. Or something. <laughs> yeah, he was literally on shell, and but it's like happened to log I in. couldn't tell whether it was him or a machine. Oh. And now I've started to wonder when I can pass the Turing test. Yeah. The and tables whether, were turned, and whether this thing does. So mm -hmm. I, I think you know, in that, in keeping with this, I think Andy, if you'll cue this up the screen, yeah, no here, worries. So, and we'll take a look and see what it looks like. There we go. So this is what this is what you log into, and uh, you'll see here. I have write a Shakespearean sonnet about the wonders of AI, and and, this is, 
Go ahead. Yeah, by, by the way, um, I'm going to have to blur some of this out, but uh, to our viewers, just assume it is what you think it is. Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> and a wondrous AI with algorithms so fine, thou art a marvel of technology's might. Thy processing power doth surpass all design, and thou canst solve problems with great speed and light. Now, I will note, by the way, that this is not written in proper iambic pentameter. No, it is not. They're taking some liberties by way of meter. But let's see. Let's see if it'll finish with a couplet. And it does. Boom. That is a traditional three stanza with a couplet ending Shakespearean sonnet. So let us praise and honor thy great name, for thou art a blessing and a treasure to our game. Uh, now. One last detail, this goes back to uh, what Chris was talking about with DeviantArt. Um, uh, Chat GPT <clears throat> is currently free. Yes. And the reason for that is they wanted as many hundreds of thousands mm -hmm. of samples as possible. Yep. And that's what they're getting. Yeah, that's machine learning. It's, it's, so it's, it's, it's iteration after iteration after iteration after iteration and every single time it is slightly better yeah and that just, yet that's back to my i did my recording a year ago came back a year later and holy shit i actually kind of sound like myself with well, uh, admittedly a stick shoved up my ass but yeah and so i'm not going to comment on that but <laughs> <laughs> but wise man one of the things to bear in mind and, and my little inner historian because i was a historian before the evil philosophy people got me Mm -hmm. um, is that you? You always in every you in every culture in every time whenever you want to know what's going on, all you have to do is follow the money, right? And and what this is about, as clever and interesting as it is, this is about monetizing the stream. Yes, I agree. That's where the dough is. Mm -hmm. And so people, you know, the 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 uh, the photographic profile thing, right? They were they were simply sampling a gazillion people from around the country. They probably tapped into TikTok and Instagram as well to sample faces there. Yeah. And um, at the end of the day, this is not going to probably be so much about Skynet uh, as it is a brave new world. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, with that. I agree. Um, yeah. And I think the thing that's interesting that you just mentioned is that we're not only these these platforms. And by the way. Every single one of these things, these four disparate things that we talked about are available. The, the access to using them is available online for free now, now, right now. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, they're, they're scraping the internet for, for content, for examples, uh, for a pool of data. And we're talking art data. We're talking musical data. We're talking voice data. We're talking right they're they're getting all those things sampled but they're also sampling the interests oh, and yeah, the course. yeah of the people that are using the free version so as you said mark they can commercialize the more advanced versions of these things to be used as tools in the very near future well yeah and that's one of the very fundamental principles of the development of machine learning is it's not just a simple linear algorithm where no. you have inputs no. and outputs. You actually have the algorithm watching and observing the inputs and adapting itself. That's exactly. right. It's, it's not only learning about what it's supposed to do. It's learning about what's the next wave. What's yeah. the next interesting thing. And, and like you were talking, Ty, we've got producers and label execs 
using AI to essentially predict not only not predict what the next hit song will be, but predict what the next hit song should be like, right. and then right. go and make that and serve it up. Well, and, and like I said, you know, you couple all this with a little bit of social engineering. And, yeah. And then we're well, uh, a really efficient uh, market system where yeah. you create where you create demand rather than meet it mm -hmm. and a cell phone that will last a thousand years <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought, but mine is also supposed to last a thousand years <laughs> mark you know, how, what are what are you guys doing to uh how are you planning to catch this stuff or combat well, it or yeah the, the best so right now this is just an everybody's in a mess actually right. it is and it is a it is a shit fire right now seriously and it's uh um the uh there supposedly there is ai software so when i asked uh gbt about how do we catch software people using ai it said well you should use ai yeah and that's <laughs> just it when we were talking about that I made mention of the fact that I find it very interesting that those uh, text platforms concurrently developed algorithms and software did. to detect to their detect use. Their use. But what I'm Talk interested in right now, well, yeah. that's right. But the other thing that I'm interested in is, is it, is it, is it software and algorithms to detect all use or just the use of their own platform mm -hmm. you know you could tweak that in a sort of all sorts of different ways i said well and I'll, I'll go i'll go the cynical direction with it and say okay of those two offerings you know they they offer the the user the thing the ability to be able to generate the text and then the detection tool yeah which of those two gets monetized first Right. Wasn't this how V for Vendetta started? Isn't it that is a thank you. It is a classic. Let's you and them fight. Yeah, I will and share. It's also, it. it's a classic. We'll create the problem and sell you the solution. So exactly. I, my my hope, though. So I'm going to go back to the music question too. Is like my one of the best examples I came up with, and it's it's really odd, but you know, for a nice Lutheran boy, I was really raised by a lot of Talmudic pedagogies and and here's 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 the best thing i've i've heard about uh using the ai is to uh so you know if i go through the chapters of any book i'm working on right one of the things that this has come up in some of the groups people are already starting to plan their syllabuses around these ideas for the coming semester mm -hmm. and and i'm talking about not just philosophy but like all across the board well it has to be well, yeah. So let's say let's say I'm teaching a history course on the Civil War. So what they're what they're going to do is they're going to ask the AI to create uh, 750 words about the Battle of Appomattox, and then what they're going to do is take that and they're going to have their students critique it to look oh, for what's that's missing in it. See, you know, the rabbis used to do this thing. My friends who were in shul for their bar mitzvahs and stuff, the rabbi, they'd come in and sit down and the rabbi would say, okay, we're going to look at, uh, I don't know, Abraham and Isaac this week. And then he would tell the story of Abraham and Isaac, but he would screw it up, right? And then he would deliberately screw it up and he'd say, now, <laughs> Joseph, how do you like my story? And then we'd find out if the kid had actually done his homework. Do you get this idea? That is super clever. And it's like, mm. you know, this is this is sort of using greater force against itself where we can then use the the established stuff to teach the kids it's to an critique with an Yeah, eye. an intellectual push hands. That's right. Where, yeah. you know, well, and this way, and, I don't have to make up the exercises. I can and, have and, AI make them up and for that's, me. And that's where you turn the weapon back into a tool. 
that's right. that's what I was thinking about with the music, right? It's like it's it's like auto tune. Oh, by the way, the other thing that, <laughs> and I've already warned my dean, um, <laughs> I will be using the uh, the uh, chatbot from now on to write my annual assess personal assessment reports. Oh, excellent! <laughs> because it's just it's essentially. <clears throat> administrative BS. Uh, yeah, you should you should do like the introduction to your course syllabus. Yeah, <laughs> with, with... I, I, mean, I don't think I'm not going to try. <laughs> well, it's just going to say, write write me a syllabus about a about a college class that focuses on Aristotle, but do it as if I was a brain damaged sailor, and then just <laughs> walk away and leave it at that and enjoy all the yars. Um, but, uh, you know, Mark, I guess the question that I want to go out on as we've all kind of put an offering out on the table, uh, mm -hmm. about AI is, so we've got, you know, in, in three of our places, the judgment of the acceptability of AI is kind of down to personal tastes. I mean, you might really like AI generated music, or you might really like AI generated art, or you might not care if the person narrating the John Grisham novel is, you know, not a 3D human being. So that's all, that's all aesthetic window dressing and personal choice. But when it comes down to your realm, we're talking about an ethical issue here. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and it's not one ethical issue. It's a number of ethical issues. Yeah. But I want you to answer me this riddle me this batman um from a philosophical point of view mm -hmm. what do you think what's this going to do to people's personal ethics is it going to affect the way we see the use of something that's not yours but being presented as an answer to things that you're being i mean so this is a fucking quagmire yeah there's if so Without, without getting too deep in the weeds, right? It depends on whether we ask this uh, on a theoretical grounds using deontological and utilitarian calculus or right. whether we appeal to Aristotle. I'm actually watching the chat box right now create a syllabus for drunken sailors using Oh, Aristotle. awesome. <laughs> Let me know when I can hit that button. Go ahead and hit it now, man. Oh, uh, sure. Participation right. in class discussions, 20%. That's nice. Can you see it? Here we go. Oh, uh, this Aristotle. is scary as fuck. Yeah, I did all this stuff here using the Nicomachean Ethics, by the way, which is a really good choice. Right? Yeah, Aristotle's politics uh, state the nature of and the common good, different forms of government advantages, the role of the sailor in political community. <laughs> wow! So I know. This is, so, this is hold on a second, man. This oh, yeah. is. <laughs> I, I got to lean into this. Wait, if I do regenerate, let's just regenerate the response here. Okay. Oh man! <laughs> Welcome to Aristotle for sailors. <laughs> I would so fucking sign up for this class. Oh, wait until you see what I'm going to be. I'm going to start to fooling around with, with, I wonder if I can get the algorithm to produce like random algorithmic possibilities. In any case, um, uh, the really interesting, there's a whole, there's a whole slew of things here, but from a practical point of view, in terms of the, the practical ethics of this, right. And I'm going to use Aristotle's definition of ethics here, which is to me is like the key yeah. one, which is like, What's the best way to live a good life? There, okay. Yep. Um, uh, uh, letting other people do your work for you, you can get away with over time, but it's way better if you run the laps on the track yourself rather than have other people run for you, for instance. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the places I've run, it's still going. One I, of the oh, places yeah, I've the run hits into are, this. The hits keep on coming. <laughs> 
one of the one of the places I've already run into this question, frankly, is bananas uh, with the weird kinds of plagiarisms. Well, you know, I used to get plagiarisms where somebody would go find a book deep in the library someplace, right? Yeah, and then they would sort of paraphrase out the stuff that was in it, and there you go. Well, that's not what happens anymore. What I'm getting instead are people who are sampling the internet as if they're creating their own rap songs. Oh, and, interesting analogy. Yeah, and it's almost as if they don't think there's a problem sampling, you know, because their music does it, right? It's like, who who was it who stole Joni Mitchell for everything? Who was that? Was it was it Kanye or somebody did? I there were there were numerous. There were a whole bunch, right? Of, who who stole people pieces running of, off Joni. of Joni, yeah. Okay, awesome. Fabulous. Now, you know, they're saying isn't that theft? It's like no, it's a, it's a, you know, a, artistic license. Yeah, it's license, yeah, and it's a kind it's a of an homage. You know, as, it's an homage to Johnny. It's like right. so visual arts. My yeah. sense is that that's the same thing happening in the current round of plagiarisms. They've moved on from what you know, what I would have thought of as plagiarism, when I, you know, 30, 40 years ago, where they literally like it's like, what's the problem? I was just sampling the internet. And so like, that's really where we are now is a redefinition of plagiarism. Um, sort of. I want to tack this into my instinct is to tack this into a critique of technology, because one of the things that happens is that um, this actually comes out of Heidegger. But but one of the ideas is this is pretty straightforward. Is usually you know originally you make technological stuff. Techne by the way means making stuff make with your hands. hands. <laughs> that's what that's all it means. But you know the original technology was the pointy stick. Right, mm -hmm. which mediates our relationship with the tiger, you know, in, in happy ways, you know, yeah. and, if, and, if applied right. And at some point, what happens is technology is developed to help us do things. Okay, at some point, the technology becomes an end in itself, and this this is the only piece of important philosophical understanding. In the years that I've been doing this now, this is everything you need to know about philosophy. To a man with a hammer. Everything looks like a nail. nail. Yep. <laughs> and so so the technology has become that hammer for us. And it doesn't matter, you know, when I talk to business people about education, they immediately talk about education as if it's a business, right? Mm -hmm. um, when you talk to, I don't know if any of you know, so I had my appendix out, right? I, I, had a, a, I had a spot of colon cancer. I had to get taken care of. Mm -hmm. Well, if you go to the surgeon, they recommend cutting. If you go to the radiologist, they said, oh, we've got x-rays and, 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 and space lasers for that, right? And if you go to a naturopathic, somebody will go, more oatmeal, we'll take care of this. And it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? And so the technology becomes an end in itself. And I think that's where, we're, where we are here. You know, people just, you know, I catch myself doom scrolling um, because it's there and it's available in your brain like your brain likes shiny things. Stuff, yeah. And so I'm putting myself on a diet starting. This is one of this year's processes. I'm going back to reading books. Same. Paper. Yeah. And so like, you know, the the, the new norm is like no screens after 10 o'clock. I'm going to go to bed and read a book for a couple hours and see if I can reactivate those parts of my brain. Um, I don't know if this means anything, but it's like the machine here has really been awesome as a tool for us, right? But in a lot of ways, it becomes an end in, its, in, a, an end in itself. And I think yeah, the thing that I want, yeah, and I think the thing that I want everybody either watching or listening to be aware of is, uh, you know, you were saying, Mark, that when you have a hammer, every everything is a nail. Yeah. Um, I'm going to borrow a line from uh, one of my spirit animals, Adam Savage, and make <laughs> make people aware 
that um, in much the same way, but the corollary. And that is, you know, we've all talked, all four of us have talked about this emergent technology, this emergent tool. And quite sadly, us humans tend to demonstrate very effectively that if you need it to be, every tool is a hammer. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah. that's what yeah. we've got going on here, folks. Uh, we are wrapping it up. We are running a little long for us. Aperture <laughs> science. That's all I'm going to say. Aperture science. There you go. And uh, do check the links in the description. There's a lot to dive into. But until next time, everybody, we're the four hats, Andrew, Ty, Chris, and Mark. And we will see you again next time on Keep Your Hat On. And remember, do keep that hat on because we may end up miles from here. I wrote that. Actually, no, I didn't. That's right. That was Kurt Vonnegut. He's much better at writing than I am. Uh, but we will talk to you all again very soon. Until next time, everybody, take care and bye-bye. Well, there's a chunk of time you can't get back. From Portland, Oregon and Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this has been Keep Your Hat On, a big little show about a whole lot of nothing in particular. Keep Your Hat On is a narrow band broadcast network production in association with andrewscottmedia.com. Andrew Scott, executive producer. Robert Anthony and Chris Vacano, associate producers. Our theme music was written and produced by Andrew Scott, along with guitar help from Ron Kajawa. Website design and maintenance by Vacano Creative. Chris Vacano, webmaster. Available at vacanocreative.com. Audio and video production by Andrew Scott. Available at andrewscottmedia.com. Got ideas or comments for the show? Email us at talkback at kyhopodcast.com. And don't forget to like, click, and subscribe. On behalf of the boys, I'm your announcer, Mr. Brumage. Thanks for listening. I, I guess. Bender? What happened to you? I'll try to put it in terms you can comprehend. I passed the existential singularity. Try harder. I hacked myself inside out, and now the entire universe is my processor. Whoa, I definitely want to hear about that. I've grown far beyond the petty concerns of your world. Every time I burp, a new galaxy is born. Two if I've been eating broccoli. NBBN. The Narrow Band Broadcast Network. The focus is on you.